Johannes on them beats, my G. the same thing that I wore last night, except um, we want to open up with definitely shouting out uh, the black artists who um, helped me put my look together. Mm -hmm. Can the girls see me? The girls can see me? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, Black Matter Podcast. <laughs> yes, I hope you're hearing that applause fade out because um, I have learned how to work stuff literally for in light. Yes, you know, you <laughs> skill up. You skill up every step of the way. What's up, Broad Street? Ooh, we got some crickets. <laughs> Stop so it. we're gonna um, we're gonna play with sounds as we go. So um, welcome everybody. Uh, I am so excited to bring you uh, episode. I think we are on episode four. Uh, yes, we are. We're on episode four of the Enlight series. And uh, just quick shout out. I want to remind you that um, there are four episodes that we're doing as part of 2020 Enlight. The first one, uh, Dr. Towns, uh, Amon Towns at University of Richmond, uh, kicked off a really dope conversation around fugitivity as it connects to con artistry. And we did like, you know, the performance studies, black studies, all the, the black academic stuff um, for the folks who need to know the uh, citations mm. with what we're gonna be talking about tonight. And so shout out to uh, Towns for um, having a really great conversation with me. And that's already on the Black Matter podcast uh, platform wherever you listen to your podcast. So you should subscribe to the podcast right now and go home. Um, Pour a cup of tea mm -hmm. and curl up and like learn about the art of scamming, deception, and magic. Um, you won't regret it. That is con artistry. And then um, another housekeeping thing I need to do is last night we made a little bit of a mistake. Um, it's okay. That's very human. Oh my God. <laughs> Right? Oh. But don't worry, don't worry. We're gonna. Y'all don't tell nobody I'm here. Yeah, okay. but don't worry. I, have, I got <laughs> other ones. So. I had the caucasity to make a mistake last night. So, Aurora, uh, Dr. Aurora, we put the wrong uh, cash app or Venmo for her, but we've changed that. And so, if you are in the audience right now and you heard Aurora speak last night, or if you know Aurora Higgs, just have because you ever heard her? She's talk? dope. Um, get your phone out and uh, send her a cash app. That actually leads into my next point. So. The cash apps and the Venmos that you see um, on the bottom of our screen, right, Keys? In the lower thirds is what they call it. Learned that term last night. Uh, are they there? Dope. Okay, so those are not just for your viewing pleasure in light participants. Those are for you to practice reparations right now. So take out your phone. Um, Rebecca and I both have our cash apps and Venmos open. And if we say something that is dope, or just for us being here, being alive, and being beautiful and dope and queer, send us some money, right? I need to get my nails done. Um, this do-rag was not cheap. Shout out to Nancy who made the do-rags. Um, so yes, it's a, it's a way for you to pay black artists now, black artists who are sitting next to me during these episodes, and also all the um, artists in Richmond who helped make Everyday Black Matter film, um, the film and also just Everyday Black dopeness in Richmond possible. So you all know a black artist, you all know someone in Richmond who is dope and who's doing it, who's been out here doing this work before white people realize like, oh my God, coronavirus. Because for y'all, it's your first pandemic. For us, it's our second one. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. pay up, okay? Um, Thank so you. To, <laughs> so I wanted to make that clear. Uh, love you, Aurora. What we want to do is I just want to set the space for where we are tonight for the folks who um, are tuning in to the first, tuning in for the first time. So we are um, intentionally not where you are. Um, because what we wanted to do was really um, hold space through this like dope and light platform that is you know our institutions doing work in Richmond, which is great. But it's important that right now we hold space for Black folks just being able to be right. And so um, y'all are watching a stream of us at a undisclosed location that I'm about to tell you because we really wanted to make sure that we allowed ourselves to have kind of like a sacred moment of talking about healing and black joy and also honoring the lives of uh, black women who have been whose lives have been lost at the hands of the state mm -hmm. um, and we just try to keep y'all on your toes yes want to keep mm -hmm. you on your toes and since don't you, get caught slipping in 2020 exactly it's not the year mm -hmm. um we're, we're also talking to the we're talking to you the institution for which um we are at and the institution that has put on in light don't get caught Slip it in 2020. This is the year to do better. Mm -hmm. Say it again. That's one, two, three. Don't do better. Be oh, <laughs> look. All right. Do better. Do better. Oh, my God. We gotta we'll get that. it together. <laughs> Speaking of differences, my pronouns are he, him, they, them. 
My pronouns are they and them, and my name is Rebecca Keel. The reason why we're not with you physically is because we want to reiterate that it's important that you pay black artists. You don't just have access to us. And so you get to see us on a screen, and we get to be here drinking rosé and kikiing and celebrating all that is black life. And so with that, um, I would like to set the frame for where we are on a more serious note. Dr. Anjali Moon's voicemail. Her Flowers is a mural uh, commissioned by Africana as a part of our five-year multi-day festival. Uh, it is designed to give reverence, honor, um, and respect to Black women across this country whose lives have been taken um, at the hands of state-sanctioned violence, uh, most specifically uh, via police brutality. Um, these women all lost their lives between the times of 1984 uh, and the present. Some of these names that you'll see are well-known, some you may have never heard of, uh, but all of them were loved and cared for by people, and so we wanted to offer a space of reverence. One of the other things that's really special about the mural for me is the people who actually uh, brought it to life. So I reached out to eight black male painters in the area to see if they would uh, intentionally come in and hold space for black women, because we understand that's part of the conversation and part of the shift uh, that is taking place is ensuring that more than black women are giving that level of regard to our lives. Okay, and we're back. Um, so again, thank you all for being here, and we want to hold space for um, why we're here, and we want to hold space for the black women who have made it possible for uh, me and Rebecca to be here tonight. Literally birthed us. Yes. And so, um, also in honor of the Give Her Her Flowers mural and, and the Give Flowers project, um, and the folks, the uh, artists in particular, black men who helped put this uh, mural together, and Africana Film Festival who um, saw the value in making sure that we're slowing down in 2020 to really remember um, lives that have been lost, but also um, the lives of black women who are here and the lives that these women have touched. So like, even when we think about the um, name that is trending right now, which is Breonna Taylor, I think it's also important, um, speaking for myself, to think about um, the lives that she touched. I mean, she was also an essential worker. She mm -hmm. was an EMT. Mm -hmm. um, and so what keeps me up at night about these stories is the something else, thinking about the something else that is there. So how did she experience joy? How, you know, did she, you know, find happiness? What, what, what were her hobbies? What she did what for were fun? Her hobbies? Yeah. What was her, like, signature move at the club, you And know? so with, with um, thinking about those things, it really helps me connect to what Black Matter is all about. And within this kind of movement of Black Lives Matter, I think that um, sometimes we get, as Black people, we get reduced to kind of talking about our survival mm -hmm. and talking about our trauma and, and asking and pleading and teaching institutions that are claiming to value us and claiming to be diverse and inclusive, we often have to teach them um, how to see us um, and how to value our humanity. And I think what sometimes gets lost um, in the exhaustion of all of that is the matter within the black matter. So mm. the non-monolithic, the complicated, the nuanced, the dope, the, the sensual, ghetto until proven fabulous yes. or, or ghetto until co-opted, right? All of the things that make everyday black life as it is without code switching and all that bullshit, makes everyday black life fine art. And so I often think about, um, especially when I see the moms of um, fallen black women and black folks you know, have to get pushed into the spotlight and speak up, I think about like, what did they wanna do before all this happened? Like maybe Trayvon's Martin, Trayvon Martin's mom wanted to like, you know, open a bakery, like who knows? Mm -hmm. what, did, what, did, what were Breonna Taylor's dreams and aspirations? And now how has her whole family's life and her friend's life and her homegirl's life like been impacted by this. And I think and have had to transform. I've had to transform mm -hmm. and will continue to have to kind of like carve a different path from what was planned. So um, tonight I want to hold space for, for Black Matter being here and really thinking about um, Black life, everyday Black life um, as beautiful and as loving and, as, and, as, and pleasure seeking. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the show Homeless. Why you want to bring me on the show? It's because I, um, let me get my little journal. You know, I was journaling about this. But one of the reasons I Got wanted to bring too. you on the show, because while we're out here, you know, fighting for our lives and speaking truth to power, but I also know that there is something important about what Aurora was saying last night around escapism. And I think it's just important for us to have moments um, to recognize the black folks 
in our city and beyond who hold space for something more, for something alternative, who look past you know, gender binaries, who look past um, rules around professionalism. Um, and yes, we are mourning uh, lives that have been lost, but there is still um, an urgency for joy and for pleasure and for intimacy and for, and for black love, for non-binary black love, for queer love. And all those things I think you know, are interlocked with blackness, with mm -hmm. intersectional black identity. And so, Rebecca, I find you to be someone that while you are um, instrumental in burning down the bullshit that is these systems, you hold space for not only con artistry, which we're going to talk about we gonna talk tonight. About you hold space for centering our pleasure mm. and remembering um, the importance of black life not being reduced to death or to trauma mm -hmm. and you exactly. know when we're at these institutions especially I'm really you know sick and tired of how I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired mm -hmm. but I'm sick and tired of how um, it often feels like when we are funded to do our work in these institutions it is usually um, mainly supported only when we're talking about death and trauma and generational trauma and slavery yes. and where we are now and which one of our family members might be next. You mm -hmm. know, it's very, um, what is paid for mm. is trauma and tragedy. And I wonder, you know, the names that are on the mural behind us, the names that don't fit into the container of respectable blackness or professional blackness, I wonder if the names who, you know, engaged in sex work, who engaged in lawbreaking, who, who were queer, who were queer, disabled, I wonder incarcerated. If yes, and especially incarcerated. I wonder if their names would trend as much um, if people had known about the other ways that they engaged mm -hmm. in um, survival. And I think for folks who, who look at the law and say the law is stacked against us, the rules are stacked against us, whether we have the money or the PhD or not, you know, whether I do it the right way or the wrong way, I'm still going to get followed in the store. So I think it's important to learn from the black women and black queer folks in particular who have said this shit is stacked against me anyway, so I'm going to um, experience joy and get a diamond um, by any means necessary. Any means necessary. And so with that, I want to play um, a little bit of Johannes Barfield's um, beat uh, that he basically uh, took the meaning of con artistry, which has been um, on the screen for y'all to see before we came live. Um, he's taken that and he's um, helped me to put it through sound. Okay. So in your own time, I encourage you to uh, check out the mural at the Valentine. Um, it is going to be here for a while. And, you know, shout out to Africana Film Festival for putting this project together. Shout out. Um, and, I, and I also encourage you to take one of the names. I'm going to read one. Darisha Blackwell is the first name that I saw when I turned around. And I want you all to go home tonight and look up her story and reflect and process and do your part to make sure that this shit stops happening. Without further ado, Rebecca Keel, everybody. So I want to talk to you about this mural. What does her flowers um, bring up for you personally, professionally, spiritually, um, as it connects to your everyday black matter? And I'm not just saying that to do like a shameless plug to the film. It's really meant to, to show how important it is to recognize intersectional black identity, intersectional black bodies, um, and how when we think about ourselves outside of these binaries that separate us, um, we are all connected. And that's why I think, you know, I'm inspired by, and I'm also, you know, I want to make clear that, you know, black men help paint this mural. Mm -hmm. And it's not to celebrate them or to say like, oh, good job. But it's also to, to recognize that it's, like- It's to say about time. Thank mm -hmm. you. So I'm glad that you took that from me because <laughs> I want you to kind of, yeah, go ahead. So when I say her flowers, what is it, what is it bringing up for you right now? It makes me think of the substance of humanity, um, the substance of life, of black life. Of, of And we named this already, but like the nuances, the differences- the components, the pieces, the particles, the experiences that make up the matter, the who you are as a person, what pleases you, 
What are your boundaries? What are your hobbies? What are the things that bring you joy and you spend time doing when you're not slaving away in capitalism, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. What are the ways that you share and show love? Who do you share and show love with? Mm. Um, how do you, can we cuss? Yeah. How do you fuck? You know? Yes. <laughs> like, this is, as Wendy Williams would say, this is my show. <laughs> so in my Valentine, whatever, this is my show. Yeah. And the matter piece of it, and it, it's, it, again, going back to the substance of humanity, we all have a range of emotions. We mm -hmm. all have this organ of skin. We all have desires and insecurities. Mm -hmm. That's that's very human, right? Mm -hmm. But then within the United States and the way black bodies, particularly black women's bodies and femme bodies, and queer bodies and disabled bodies have been made to be kind of a vehicle for reproduction or a vehicle for being just different and other. Um, it's, it's, I mean, unfair is not even like the word for it, mm -hmm. but it's just been... Uh, we become so stereotyped into being one kind of being, one kind of way, one kind of thinking, one kind of all the things. And so to have this... Um, what this mural means to me is a lot of things. It's it's complicated because it's around um, people who have, uh, black women specifically, who have lost their lives at the hands of state violence mm. um, because the officer who decided to draw their weapon pulled on all those stereotypes, mm -hmm. pulled on all those biases, pulled their trigger, and took someone's life, mm -hmm. you know? And so without knowing someone's experience, without having a nuance, without seeing someone as just a regular, regular person, mm -hmm. you know, uh, was so much in fear, was so much driven by what the, what um, we're socialized to think about black women, that they thought that that woman's life had no purpose, had no substance, that it did not matter. Mm -hmm. So they pulled that trigger. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this represents to me. So I do community organizing um, that is focused on the liberation of all oppressed people. And we know, hands down, and if you didn't know, now you're about to know, you're about to get learned, that black women are a particularly marginalized, particularly oppressed group because of the ways that we are both black, like melanin black, and don't let this blonde hair and its ass fool you and, and all that good stuff. I got albinism. My people are black people. Um, I was just born a little different. Um, <laughs> but to think about the ways that both uh, uh, black women are uh, marginalized, made to feel different. Society tells us we're different because we're both black and women. We have to not forget in 2020, like, yeah, women have made a lot of gains, but women are still an oppressed class of humans worldwide, not only in the United States, but worldwide. So to think about- and We're talking to you too, white women. So yes, yeah, get your to shit you together. Yeah, really. Um, it helps some sisters get some coins. So go mm -hmm. ahead and send me that Venmo or we're cash We're waiting app for the Venmo and the cash app. Right I mean, you, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but you are spitting some game and this is not free. So as they are spitting- you need to be. Yeah. And I want y'all to know, like, I'm a paid community organizer. Like, I'm truly not starving, but a many of people in my life are. Mm. And so I redistribute my funds. Mm. As soon as I get them, I put them in someone else's pocket. Mm. So this money, like, yeah, I'm going to spend it. Yeah, I'm going to go buy a new comforter because it's cold outside. And you deserve it. And my windows is drafty because mm -hmm. I live in a sh little shabby apartment in the city of Richmond. Mm -hmm. But I also make sure that my pregnant little sister got what she need. Mm. I also make sure that my auntie got what she need. I also make sure my sister got what she need. You mm -hmm. know, so the money gets redistributed. I like that in your work, you're you're always finding these ways to educate and also call out the ways that we're, you know, kind of tethered to capitalism. Mm -hmm. You know, even us having this conversation, being supported by an institution, et cetera. Um, for some of us, it's like, this is just how we put food on the table. But like, don't get it twisted. I think these institutions, you know, will never necessarily, they will never understand the value of blackness. And I think um, for some of us, uh, getting the PhD or, or, or working, you know, at the corporate office, I think for some of us, it is about... Um, redistribution of resources. It is about playing the game and getting into the belly of the beast and tearing it up from within. Mm -hmm. um, and for some, and you know, that is not that radical. I mean, that's just, our, our black bodies are a disruption um, into these spaces. And especially when we show up and we decide that I'm not gonna code switch and I'm going to tell you that you just pissed me off. And I don't care if you label me an angry black woman, like you're not gonna piss me off. So I think when we disrupt these spaces, um, we get labeled as too much or unprofessional or whatever. And all that is coded in anti-blackness. Mm -hmm. um, but they can't come for you um, when you are doing the things that you need to do with the resources, mm -hmm. right? And so um, I think in 2020, we have gotten um, to a point where it's like, we have all we need to know that like these institutions need to go and do that shit on their own. And I think for some of us, you know, we're taking the resources and creating alternative ways to, um, to build wealth um, or to uh, create community 
um, and to also create family outside of like non-hetero, you know, normative kind of ways. Right. I got a wife to support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and congrats on that. Thank you. I am a newly. Oh, my God. Yes. I told you I want to celebrate joy. Yeah. Right? I'm a newlywed. Yes, yes. And it feels really good to be loving authentically. I will say if mm. you find yourself. I've just really quick PSA. If you find yourself in a relationship that doesn't truly make you happy, leave that shit. Straight mm. up. Don't don't do it for the, the Break posturing. Up with him. Don't do it for your family. Do it for you. Do it for your heart. Do it for your pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you find that um, monogamy doesn't work for you, there are other options. There are so many other options. There, there are really so are. many other Actually, ways we're consulting being... about those options right now, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> so con artistry. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, it is a it's a theory. Right. And it is a performative practice and it is something that I um, use the resources of the academy to create. But as Rebecca said, like, don't get it twisted just because I, you know, I'm a university professor. It doesn't mean that I'm not a con artist Mm -hmm. and con artistry comes directly from learning from uh, black folks who I, who I said earlier, who are scammers, who, who, who deceive the system and who recognize that the ways that we survive and the ways that we, you know, take back our life and and center our joy and not just survive, but thrive and have pleasure um, is getting into a lot of these spaces, these white supremacist spaces and engaging in the art of deception. And I think con artistry helps us to think about, you know, who is criminal and who is not in a society where we know that the law is, you know, in bed with white supremacy. And so some folks get labeled entrepreneur and some folks get labeled criminal for the same exact action, right? Mm -hmm. I grew up in the suburbs of Connecticut. Shout out to y'all because I'm definitely waiting for Venmo's from my friends from Connecticut who are watching. Um, (laughs) And I, I, you know, I grew up with a lot of kids who had a lot of fucking wealth and, uh, you know, daddy was money laundering. If if y'all have seen Ozark on Netflix, like... That's your daddy. No, not my daddy. (laughs) (laughs) But I've grown up around families like that, but like they don't don't get caught because white collar crime is completely different from crime in the hood, right? Mm -hmm. So it's important to think about um, what can be learned from scammers. And I think um, for me, con artistry is really about, I, I practice con artistry through art making, right? Through getting into these spaces and getting an art grant, but really holding space for alternative ways of knowledge. And resource distribution. Resource distribution. Yes, because there are a lot more really uh, fundamental uh, readings of political education, of the black experience that are put in Northside. At Six Point yes. Innovation Center. Shout out to Six Picks. Shout um, out to Six Picks. Yes. Um, and I'm the Black Academic at Six, at Six Points Innovation Center. So again, like speaking of con artistry, like the books that are in the Black Academic Library at Six Pick, we have a huge library of books by uh, Black and POC identifying and queer authors. You can, you know, send me a Venmo and put Six Pick in the line, and those um, resources will go directly to supporting that library at Six Pick. Because the reason why we are, we're building that library at Six Pick is because. Even though the academy and the institution called higher education has worked for me, I don't think that you know the ticket out of racism is educating all kids in the hood that they just need to go to University of Richmond. I think that Mm-mm. it's important to take the resources from the spaces that are ours in the first place. And since there's, there's one nigga at University of Richmond, we can utilize my body to fuel things into Six Pick because I know that these institutions of higher learning can be very violent spaces for black folks, especially for black youth. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that um, we are really disrupting that narrative about college equals success. No. Because it don't. <laughs> it don't. Because their and diversity inclusion in is like. Especially this economy nowadays, shoot, you oh got all kinds God. of people getting college degrees with all kinds of debt. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Con Artistry, it's an essential tool, a essential tool for moving our black bodies away from striving to survive and instead demanding to thrive um, by any means necessary. Shout out to my mom. Mm, shout out to my mom. Yes. And um, an essential part of Con Artistry, I need to cue it up because I want to make sure that y'all remember an essential part of Con Artistry as Dr. T and I will remind you. I hope it's this one. Don't do anything for them unless they overpay you. Don't do anything for them unless they overpay you. Unless they overpay you, don't you do anything for them. What's that bringing up for you? Mm. And shout out to everybody in Everyday Black Matter Film. Yeah. We're about to bring a special guest on in a little bit. I, oh, special guest brought a bunch of people. Um, okay, <laughs> cute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have enough to drink for all (laughs) y'all this is not a barbecue but very cute um what's really dope about con artistry is like again i didn't just create this term from being in the academy um 
it's inspired by a lot of my dope ass friends who, mm. you know, look at the law and say, hmm, I'm gonna do something different. Um, it's inspired by my mother who, um, you know, definitely centered our joy by any means necessary, who definitely looked at the law and saw that it was stacked against us. And, you know, speaking of magic, my mom and I used to get dressed up and go look at mansions in Connecticut. Knew that we could not afford to buy it, but like doing those things with my mom, looking at oversized houses and like making up some story where we would look at the house, like it allowed my black body to like center dreams, Mm -hmm. right? And I think sometimes our imagination is the only safe space for us. And so it allowed me to see myself, you know, outside of the circumstance that um, had disrupted our life, like homophobia and state-sanctioned violence and incarceration and all those things. And so I have, you know, as I'm dealing with the bullshit that is institutions today, um, for which the institution that I work at is a part of, I remember the way that my mom and I, like, engaged in kind of like a worlding practice. Like, just going on a drive and, like, finding a big-ass house that had an open house and, like, exploring that and making up a whole story and just, like, you know, we it was like magic play, Mm -hmm. right? And so in this current moment in 2020... Um, I'm thinking about a lot of those um, those just portals that I think black women like open up for us. Um, black women who play with gender inherently. My my grandma who would always say like you know I'm I'm the mommy and the daddy right and mm. just like the way that grandma was like that <laughs> yeah and just like the way that I think the the, the black experience grandma. is very tethered to a What's queer experience. What's your grandma? Una Thomas and she's on the um the vo- that's why the voicemails uh, were so important for the film. Mm. Um, so shout, again shout out to everybody who's in Everyday Black Matter film. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about con artistry because I know you have some stories. Yeah. And like, I will say that sharing stories is such a powerful gift because Mm -hmm. I rarely talk about my mama because she had to do so much like grimy shit for our survival that it's like, I have made to, I have been made to feel very ashamed Mm. and keep it a secret. But it wasn't until you started sharing your stories about you and your mama's experiences Mm. that I was like, wow, like I'm really not alone in this, you know, so. There are over, uh, I don't know the exact number, but I did at one point, there are, I think, approximately like over 2 million youth who um, have experienced a parent in the system. Mm. Um, And again, you're right, like these labels of like at-risk youth, child of the incarcerated, marginalized, like they will have you growing up and going into these institutions, even if you have doctor in your name or not, and thinking that your story is not worth telling. And I majored in criminal justice in universities that I went to. And I remember like being in the classroom and being like, this white lady doesn't know the fuck she's talking about. Like I visit my mom every Sunday Mm -hmm. and that's not how it goes. So you need to sit down. You know what I'm saying? So it's important to recognize that our stories as black people, especially the disrespectable or the non-traditional or the stories of, you know, at-risk youth or whatever, they fill knowledge gaps. Mm -hmm. They really do. And so that's why like whatever I'm doing with my work, like podcasts, whatever, it's important to center the story. And to hold space for the stories that, um, you know, even the names that are behind me, the stories that don't fit the the proper, uh, help me out, the proper the, me- the, proper the, narrative. The mold. Yeah, yeah. Went yeah. to college and all that stuff. Yeah. So my mom, I, I'm, I'm honestly like, oh, I can't believe I'm telling like people this, but you, you know, it's it. really important. And I actually talked to my mama today and I was like. It's a part of your black matter. It really is. So my mama was a stripper and she was like, not the, I don't know if y'all watch P-Town or whatever. Instagram yes, y'all I do. Follow. My mama was not the kind of bitch who was on the pole doing all the amazing athletic tricks and everything. My mama was a talker. She was a listener. Mm. She was someone who would sit down with you. She would identify the loneliest, oldest, whitest man in the club and go and sit down and talk with him because he was obviously there to have some company and this is pre-venmo so she had to work hard this is pre-venmo y'all this was like um the 90s and the early 2000s Mm. um and so what she did was she would conversate with people she would grow a connection with them she would build an empathetic connection and she would get paid to do that some would call that a counselor someone would call that um you know and and i think bartenders maybe have this experience too of just really listening to people's problems Mm. but she would find some old unhappy white man and again, don't let this lack of melanin fool you. My people are black people, um, and I got albinism, but she would uh, seek out those people to then build a relationship with them based off of her getting paid, first and foremost. And I asked my mom, I was like, did you ever feel any kind of way about this? And she was like, look, if you had a strip club and someone's giving you a lot of attention mm. and you're too 
if she, this is her words, if you're too dumb to understand that you're getting this attention mm. because I'm getting paid out of this, mm-hmm. then you honestly deserve to get mm-hmm. conned. You honestly mm-hmm. deserve to get scammed. Mm-hmm. If you're not understanding this dynamic, this social dynamic, the power and privilege that you have as a white man lying to your both wife and workplace saying you're at a lunch break, but you really at the candy bar on 2.30 on a, Friday, on a Tuesday afternoon, you know? So, I mean, that was life and that was my lunch money. She did some um, some conning, not only at the club, but like I said, she was forming relationships with people. So they would go out to eat a lot, like go on, you know, shopping. This sounds like how I got my college scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> they come into your neighborhood and they take you out and they they say, "Oh, this is a great school for you." There's a and they show right. you the pam- they show you the pamphlet with all the other black kids that are right. there, and, and you get there and you're like, and me- "I'm alone." <laughs> <laughs> And Those many, black kids graduated like 30 years ago. <laughs> and many of men would like promise my mama like, you know, like, if you don't want to do this, I'll just pay for you to go to school and everything. My mama was like, honestly, I make more money doing this, this. than I would from some th- from, from, from loan that I would maybe have to pay off later mm-hmm. and then have to um, just, you know, sit through academia and all that stuff. So my mama really played this game for 13 years as a stripper. So that was my a, a major chunk of my childhood was this understanding. That's a career. It's a career. It was a career, yeah. and she didn't hide it either. She really didn't hide it. Me and my siblings would play dress up in her floss. Like she really did not try to hide it. In her what? In her floss and her stripper clothes. Oh, okay. uh-huh. mm-hmm. cute. It's cute. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and so you said that you you essentially interviewed her today to prepare her that you were going to be on Black Matter talking about these things. Yeah, yeah. Because I was again, I've been made to feel really ashamed about this. I love that you put that in front, like been made to feel. Because I think that is so much of, especially the black queer experience, like our stories are our stories, right? And um, I think being black and and queer identifying, it allows you to kind of, for me, to kind of grow up as like a fly on the wall in certain black spaces. So like you're seeing things in the barbershop and in the beauty salon um, that uh, folks who are more uh, hetero identifying like don't necessarily see, right? So Mm -hmm. like I saw um, a lot of queerness in my mom and my grandmother and my auntie Sharon of like how they would come home, you know, with the long ponytail weave on and then like take it off to cook and put on the scarf. And then if like a white lady knocked on the door, put the ponytail weave back on because you had to be presentable <laughs> and like all that stuff. Or my mom being like, you know, can Rebecca come over? I would say like, can Rebecca come over for a sleepover? No, I already set my bra off. Rebecca can't come over. <laughs> like just those memories of just like the transformation that is black women. I think like, you know, we would be remiss to, to not recognize how like that inspires, you know, gender play not just in other black uh, women, but also in black boys as well. Oh, yeah, because my, my brother was uh, playing with that flaw. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my queerness and my, my gender play and my the way that I hold space for just, like, you know, dressing up in my house and, like, you know, having both male, female, and in-between friendships where, you know, we do play with gender in those ways, it is a direct correlation from the black women that I grew up around mm-hmm. who were always, you know, just, like, constantly transforming mm-hmm. um, and, and having to, you know have fun with the things that were violent, like code switching, like knowing that you had to have straight press hair in order to get this job interview. And like, you know, my mom, like we would all take out her braids on like a weekend, like all the things that, you know, we had to do in order to be like presentable. Um, I think to, to cope with it, sometimes you turn it into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, straight mm-hmm. up. Talk about the shopping sprees. One of the things, another memory besides looking at the big houses is like, and now you're like bringing, now I have this energy too of like, I feel like these are taboo stories. I know, it's like kind of, <laughs> so y'all really need to like pay up for like, real ooh, if you're watching this because it's, oh my God. <laughs> these sounds are corny, but I want to learn how to use this. So that's, it's more of a practice thing for me. Um, I need match. But we got some beats in here, so we will play the beats. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so shopping sprees, like, I remember, um, it's funny because it feels like these things were, like, just yesterday, and the thing that's really important to make clear is that, like, the reason why I think these stories are so rich and so important right now is because in this era, like, a lot of black folks are, like, saying, fuck it, fuck respectability politics, like, you know, we're going to mm-hmm. be on My some- wedding was a GoFundMe. We go- <laughs> <laughs> We gonna be on some city girl on some city girl shit and like you know we're just gonna like tell our stories and I think um you know one of my really great members of my mom too is like we would go on these like really excessive shopping sprees school shopping was driving to New York City and getting you know bags and bags and bags of clothes mm-hmm. and I just remember you know having this like this guilt of like wait a minute I don't even know how we're like paying the essential stuff but like <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah but my mom being like we need to do what we need to do. 
and being like the best dressed kid at school, like having a cell phone at a way too early age. Like, you know, we had all those things and like, you know, the material stuff didn't matter. It was really when I look about it and I get the the conditioning of like the criminality is bad out. You know, I push that to the side. There is just like really dope memories, black joy memories of like a young queer kid, like in the mall with his mom, like making up a story why we need to get these things off layaway and get like a certain discount. You know, and like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. getting home and having bags of shit and mm-hmm. like. Yeah. And for me, it was like, um, I, I talked with my mom today about these really fond moments I had around like Christmas and like, yeah, it's fuck Christmas, fuck capitalism, all these things. But it's like a ritual of, you know, setting up the tree with your family and everything and like not seeing a whole lot, you know, like be under the tree. But then like you wake up on Christmas morning and the floor is covered. Mm-hmm. And you're running like, how t- did she get them? How? The question was always how. y'all. I got- I'm 32 years old and I still don't know how my mom got right, the fuss to right. do certain things. I had an Xbox the first day it came out, you know, and like, I mean, and I thought that was really special because like we just did not live like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, but I talked to my mom in a day and I was like, okay, so how did that really happen? And she was like, well, I had a client uh, at the club and, you know, like a few days before Christmas, he would take me shopping and just spend thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. on y'all on y'all, you know? And my mom even told me that she had to sometimes frame it with particular clients as like, um, this isn't for me, this is for my sister's kids, you know, kind of thing. So the ways that she had to manipulate a story, mm-hmm. twist some shit around, you know. It's never singular. Like when I think about the stuff that my mom did as well with us, like it was never really for her. It was always for like our, like for her own kids, but then like our cousin's kids, her nieces and nephews, like everybody was getting bags of clothes. Yeah. And I just think that that is, that is why I think it's so important uh, for me as a black man to hold space for black women, to think about how like, you know, I'm watching um, Lovecraft country. Mm -hmm. Sorry to just like bring up pop culture example, but like for the people that like have no idea what we're talking about, like, Watch a show on HBO. Um, if you like sci-fi, watch it. Yeah, watch it. sci-fi. And when, I think her name is Hippolyta, the mom, when she goes to the kind of like black utopia land, she gets asked if she wants to come back to this like bullshit space called white supremacist America. And the, the woman that like runs the place says like, you can stay here forever. And she won't experience racism. She can live out all her black dreams and like experience pleasure and intimacy and black joy. And she can choose her own name and how she's identified. Like, mm. it's amazing. Mm. But she says like, I... I have to go back to this place. And it's because for the other black women, it's for her daughter and it's mm. for the women that she's kind of carrying behind her. And I, and I think a lot about that in terms of like, what when a I metaphor, <laughs> I know, sorry to go deep, but when I think about my mom, I think about how like the shopping sprees were rarely for her. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the imaginative play of like looking at the mansions when we knew we weren't supposed to be there. Like it was rarely like for her. I think it, it directly correlates to how, a child like me who didn't have a lot of resources, like look at, you know, this institution, this grant, this PhD, um, living around the world and back like, and say like, yeah, those things are for me. Mm -hmm. I don't care that I don't have the money. Like I'm going to Tokyo for two years. I'll beg, borrow and scam. Joy is for me as well. Pleasure is for me as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't care about the white kids that like have the generational wealth to get there. Like I will get there too. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I have been on many a flights and scam my way into first class. Hey. Period. Right. Oh, th- there's a, there was a hair in my food, and I will not sit in coach. Like I learned all those things from my mom. <laughs> I will experience first class because I deserve it. If I had to deal with racism, we deserve all those things as well. I mean, yes, I brought an expensive dog, of course, because I wanted it. And like I think it's just important for us to recognize, especially in this 2020 year, like whatever it is, not just materials, capitalist bullshit, like whatever it is that you want for your black life, like you deserve it. Yeah. Because like we built this whole shit. Exactly. And so shout we out to built shout this. out to uh, the women in our lives, your mom and mine, who have like you know said that from the beginning. I love you, mom. Love you too, mom. My mom's in Jamaica, so I'm trying to like I was trying to go for sure. I had this like fantasy of like you know going and getting the long braids and just like doing the thing on the beach, and then COVID happened. <gasps> that was gonna be my graduation gift to myself, like when I finished grad school. Like I'm gonna go to Jamaica and just like talk to my mom about this shit, right? Mm. Like have a, a real kiki and like look, I'm not upset with you, like. I get it because I'm doing the right things and they still follow me in the store. Mm-hmm. So the way they was I might need her. some lessons to start. <laughs> <laughs> me, me and your mommy have to open a club together. <laughs> Look. Not just let P Valley be a TV show. Right, all right. Because right. Richmond is lacking on sex work spaces. Well, she would have to do it in Southwest Virginia. Where See, she you know the laws now, too. You know, That's some yeah. kind of artistry shit. You know the rules. Oh my God. So how do we, how do we get, you know, yeah. through them? So.
interesting thing about the rules, I just want to put this out there real quick, that in Virginia, you cannot show your nipples at a strip club if you serve uh, liquor. And so I was a kid who was like sitting, cutting out my mom's pasty before <laughs> she went to work and everything. But it really hit me to like the um, the uh, uh, the ABC laws mm. in the state, you know, and I was learning that as like an eight-year-old, you know? And so just understanding some of those legal dynamics, some of those dynamics about bodies and display and pleasure and all that just by helping my mom get ready for work. And how it's so policed. Mm, so policed. Yeah. You can't show nipples at a the goddamn titty bar. Like, come on. Yes. What were you feeling about um, the con artistry beat? So I know I said this to you before, and um, you and I talked about con artistry um, when I was creating the term, but um, I remember the kitchen conversation. So mm-hmm. shout out to that great day we put up a tent and just lived in a, chilled in the park, yeah. did our thing. Yeah, that was so good. Um, <laughs> but when you heard Johannes's beat, like, what was it bringing up for you in terms of, like, translating transforming this or translating it into sound mm. it was just like the steadiness of it mm-hmm. you know like because that beat is really like um don't let me like try to emulate the beat now but yeah pop it on real quick i got it on real quick because i wanted to talk about the water and we got uh johannes here with us so he's gonna come say a little bit Shout up. out to you johannes Here's the beat well we got multiple versions of it so this kind of started out from a writing project that i did whoops see she don't know what she's doing is dope and the beat started out from um, a project that I was doing at the university for which I work at really didn't I didn't just want con artistry to be legible through like writing and and theory talk I wanted it to be something that could be shared through other black bodies through whatever medium that you use and then music be reaching people we all know that I know right and like my grandma ain't gonna read my dissertation nah but she will listen to that beat She will, right? And she'll clean the house to it, and we'll kiki about it, yes. right? Because I already she sent- She's like, oh, I like the bell. Yeah, well, and that's mean? why we had to have that, that reggae you know, conversation. <laughs> and same thing with the podcast. Like, all of this is just to make the work more accessible to the people that I'm honoring in my work. And so um, shout out to Johannes for helping make that possible. Um, you want to come say a little what up to people? Yeah, while you're getting over here. So I, um, yeah, I'm glad that I got to share that with you because you were one of the folks that I think in practice is doing some kind of artistry shit and like recognizes it. So it was really great to bring that to you. We'll just do a fake hand clap. What up, Johanna? Yeah. Hey, welcome, welcome. Thank you for your music. Yeah. So you want to say anything real quick about um, this collaboration um, and Everyday Black Matter? So this is the lead uh, musician that uh, put all the music together um, for Everyday Black Matter film. And then um, we worked with Wes Taylor to make the con artistry be a thing. Um, so let's, I can't do the, uh, actually, yeah, we got to give you your flower. <laughs> Johannes Barber, everybody. How's everybody doing? This is so strange. So where's is the camera here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. the blue light. <laughs> I know. Just it's... tell them your cash app. <laughs> uh, cash app is uh, it's Johannes Barfield, um, but it's with a capital J, capital B. Um, if anybody knows how to spell it, it's J-O-H-A-N-N-E-S, capital B-A-R-F-I-E-L-D. Nice. And how's it like going for you? Because uh, you're, you're on multiple projects. I know your partner's got a project. You're a part of this project. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Inlight is, um, has been uh, very interesting this year. Um, I experienced it for the first time uh, like in like 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when like before oh, COVID, like, <laughs> everything was like bustling, right? Everything was happening. Uh, we weren't wearing masks and like doing all this weird shit. So um, it, was a diff- it was a different experience. Um, this time around, it's interesting. It seems like, you know, you know black people have been centered in this. Mm-hmm. Um, for real. For real, about time. So that's like, that's like very interesting to see like um, all this happening um, with that. But um, still. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do anything for them unless they overpay you. Mm. 
making unless sure. Unless they overpay you. Mm-hmm. You just want to keep reminding people of that. Go ahead. I need some hands. Go ahead and shout out to Cash App one more again. Spell it out. But also, y'all, Johannes um, is... Um, well, this lost my train of thought. Johannes is on episode two and three of season two of Everyday Black Matter. Sorry, season two of Black Matter podcast. You know my own shit. So you can learn more about their work through those two episodes on the podcast, which you should subscribe to right now. And also Johannes's um, artist page, um, Instagram, and Cash App is in the episode description. So there's no excuse not to pay us right now. And Keys just put it on the screen because, like, Keys is dope. So thank shout out to you. Keys. Oh, you, yeah, you, see? Yeah. There are some comrades that will come volunteer. So you white guys that, you know, know the tech stuff, like, hit me up. Because you need, <laughs> but you won't ever be in front of the camera. <laughs> You'll be behind the camera. Because <laughs> you know some shit. Right. So, yeah, so there's definitely a way to uh, get in touch with Johannes. Um, the music making experience was new for me. It was amazing. Um, shout out to Sandy as well. Sandy, what's your last name? Sandy Williams, um, who introduced you to Johannes, who also has an InLight project, and shout out to uh, your partner. Yes, my, my wife, beautiful wife, Stephanie. I didn't know, I have never met you in person, so I was like, I hope that Stephanie, because I was like, I didn't know, I don't know the other folks who are here, but your InLight project is at Oakwood Art, so like, we're doing Hello. it. The black academics are out here. Yes. Um, and so all of us need to be paid. Um, and I'm sure there are ways to look up all the black artists who are in Richmond. And if you got a little bit of coin, like you should definitely be contributing to our work because we have not just been doing this work for InLight. We've been doing this work way motherfucking before. And, um, you know, I was doing Black Matter with a, with a raggedy, 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 raggedy. Child, my- you was in a cafe with a <laughs> I know. Mic and like, oh, my God. But I loved it. But I yes. Loved it. And so we have, um, you know, it's, we're grateful for these institutions that have helped us, like, elevate our equipment and all those kinds of things. But the work doesn't stop with just InLight. So it's important to contribute to what we're doing. Anything else? Shout out your cash out one more time. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, Spell it out. Yeah. So and this 90s jean jacket is <laughs> <Yeah>. very cute. <laughs> I I think he, did you get a keys? Yeah, it's just capital J and capital. If you, if it's up on the screen right now, uh, I think that'd be probably the best way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you stopped. I'm glad that you stopped by. I hope the inline is going great for you yeah, and Stephanie. Yeah, definitely. Um, y'all, your project Stephanie is beautiful. I'm trying to get over there. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a busy inline. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing when you're when you're the too. other when we're all doing it. Like, it's, you know, shout out to us all having the inline, you know, opportunity. But like. There is a part of me that's like, damn, I wanted, I wanted to go see Stephanie's project. I know, I got a Let project Let me sneak too. out from this podcast real quick. <laughs> I want to shout out my project real quick. The yes. one we want is us. Wait, you're in Inlight as well. I know, right. They called all the black I people. Know, Look at them yeah. trying to be anti-racist. <laughs> Let's just call everybody. <laughs> everybody black. Um, but my, uh, that I've collaborated with, um, Southerners on New Ground, organization I work for, my political home, um, artist Laura Chalreve, Shaza Burhan, shout mm. out to y'all. We created depictions of what the city looks like once all of our demands are met, once there's a civilian oversight board, once the Marcus Alert is passed, that did just pass as a mm. state law, mm. um, once all the charges are dropped um, from people who have been protesting through the uprisings in defense of black life, once the case is reopened of Marcus David Peters, um, once all that happens, what does the city look like? Mm. What is it? What is the uh, the visceral experience of it? And so we actually illustrated that and cast it right up on the side of the ICA on Broad and Belvedere, one of the busiest intersections in all of the city. So y'all be sure to check that out. That'll be running tonight and tomorrow night as well. Um, just let it let it inspire, let it spark your radical imaginations because we got a lot of work to keep doing. So we need that. We need that creative energy. Yes, I love y'all. I'm really grateful for. Um, this kind of like sacred space that we can hold of just like honoring that we're a part of InLight this semester. I mean, this, sorry. <laughs> academics. academics. I know. I really hate when I do that. I'm trying to like not. The last night I kind of, I said the ways in which four times. I was like, damn, you sound like a fucking <laughs> academic. And they don't pay me enough to sound like them. Um, I, uh, I'm just really grateful that like we're all a part of InLight this Time. Time, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I love it. I just think, you know, if, if anything's happening in 2020 that's positive, it's just, you know, we're still making work. We're still doing the thing. We're still mm-hmm. finding space yeah. to express ourselves. And I think, like, you know, black expression is super, super fucking important right now mm-hmm. for us to not get bogged down by all the shit that is going on this year. And um, I think it's, it's a lot of work to hold space to still create. Yeah. Um, I know when this pandemic shit first started, I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to, you know, keep going in terms of, like, getting into the creative juices and journaling and all those things. So but you juicy. <laughs> so it's been great. It's been, I, you know, I congratulate all of y'all for like still doing the work. Um, so yeah. Thank y'all. you, Dr. Barracks. Oh, yes. Okay, well, thank you. I'm going to just I'm gonna step out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you.
<laughs> and we're um so i want you rebecca to close out your episode with whatever you want to tell the listeners um if you want to shout out um so for me i i want to shout out black mama's bail fund because i definitely is that what it's called i definitely black have, mama's bailout black yeah. mama's bailout yes that's an organization that i've definitely sent some coin to and you know um any any black organization that supports ch- children of the incarcerated i want to make sure that we shout out since mm-hmm. we've since we've really been talking about con artistry today and that's that's how i'm connecting to con artistry. Mm, I want y'all to check out a few organizations, No Left Turns. They do mm. really great reentry work here in the city of Richmond. Blessing Warriors. They just help people who need it. Whether you houseless, whether you just down on your luck, whether you just can't afford your rent right now. Granted, we do have a moratorium on eviction, so if you can't pay your rent, you can't get evicted till December 31st. Um, shout that out. Yeah, but I just really want to shout out my political home and how I came to this ideology that I have of um, intersectional liberation centering black and indigenous, queer people, trans people, people with disabilities, formerly incarcerated folks. That all came from an organization called Southerners on New Ground. Um, that is, I'm a virgin Virginia statewide organizer for said organization. Um, but also, I just want to just, if you are not part of an organization right now and you want to do movement a work. A black one. A black organization or a multiracial organization. I think there's power in that. Or just one where you can redistribute the coins. Exactly. Thank you so much, Valentine. Yeah. Join an organization. Squad up with your yeah. people. Because Collaborate. You're very, you're very mighty as an individual, but you're more effective mm-hmm. with other people. So just join one if you ain't part of one. Yes. Um, and shout out to Wes Taylor who helped... Um, you know, get me into inline, put all this together, who just uh, texted me, said the do-rag is popping. Thank you. Um, I love y'all. So we're going to close out with Johannes's beat, uh, Con Artistry. I loved having this conversation with you, Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, and also, before we go, how can people follow you personally? Y'all can follow me on Instagram at campaign underscore mama, or you can just follow me on Facebook at Rebecca C. Keel. And your uh, cash up event is on the bottom of the screen. So yes. we're waiting for a I would appreciate some coin because my little sister is about to have a baby and we really need to buy a car seat. So yes. <laughs> hit me up, please. Love y'all. Thank you for listening. We'll be back at 10 p.m. <laughs> with another amazing guest, Chelsea Lamore.